Good evening and welcome to our live broadcast. Today we are continuing with the Anguttara Nikaya. Where to go? I'm just going to go right to the next one because it's, I mean, it's not terribly deep, but it's interesting for those wondering about the role the heavens play in, in, uh, in Buddhism. So apologies that this isn't a deep meditation teaching. I don't have any meditators here right now, so we're just going to go on from number 36 to number 37. So apparently in, in Buddhism, the Buddhist cosmology, the Buddha described uh, various levels of angels. So there are Bhuma, Deva, which are angels that live, around, live on earth, apparently. They live in trees or wherever they delight in, you know, the fairies, I guess, we, we normally think of them as. Um, and, and then there are the successively higher planes of, of angels. There are the four great kings that, if you, you maybe recognize some of you, this from Chinese mythology, which gets it from Buddhism. Um, the four great kings that look after the four directions. So apparently there are four angels who also are involved with the earth, but they take care of the four... Um, four quadrants of the earth in directions doesn't really work because uh, the earth is round so I don't quite understand it but there are apparently four great kings and uh, they report to the the angels of the Tabatingsa which is the next level and Dabatingsa is, I guess, the highest highest angel realm that's directly interested in, in the earth. So Dabatingsa, Dabba means uh, three, and Dingsa means 30. So it's the, the heaven of the 33. And it's called that because there were these 33 companions who went to heaven together, and they're led by Saka. Saka is the king of the angels of the 33. And so I guess a group of angels who live in their their own realm, but somehow take an interest in the earth. And so the four great kings report to them. Four great kings are responsible for uh, making sure that everything on earth is, I guess, going according to whatever divine plan that they have. If all this sounds fairly theistic or deistic, well, uh, I suppose you could call it deistic, although I'm not even sure quite what that word means. But there's, and there, you know, there is a sense of that in the time of the Buddha, people were obviously worshiping these angels, and so the Buddha was acknowledging the existence of the of such angels. But uh, what he denied was the efficacy of prayer or the importance of prayer that sure you could 
you could pray and and beseech the gods for blessings or for mercy or so on but there's no reason to think that they would comply uh, nor is there any benefit from, or, or any spiritual benefit to you know, such activities no. they didn't they certainly didn't have the power to uh, enlighten one or to bring the, the highest benefit and I guess that's really where Buddhism goes beyond a theistic religion it's um, it doesn't deny the fact that angels can and and you know, what you might call gods can potentially help human beings. It's it, it's not even the point to suggest that they that God can't move mountains, as they say in Christianity. Which um, and anyway, it's that moving mountains wouldn't really help you. You know, if 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 you pray to God and and God were to answer all of your prayers still wouldn't mean much because well, the prayers that God can't answer are may I become enlightened, may I be free from suffering may I be free from greed, anger and delusion may I become a better person it just can't happen it doesn't come from the grace of God from the grace of God sure, maybe you could get rich, you could um, live in luxury um, but you couldn't go to heaven. God doesn't have the power to um, bring someone to heaven or prevent them from entering heaven. Nor does any god or angel have the power to send someone to hell. Not um, with some qualification, because of course beings can affect other beings, but the, the ultimate power comes from within. If your mind is pure, no one can send you to hell. But if your mind is impure, it's possible to instigate. And it's certainly possible that angels could manipulate you and trick you and into doing deeds that would send you to hell or manipulate a person into sending them to heaven. So, I mean, the only, it just means that there is an acknowledgement, whether you believe this or not, that there are certain beings that are not quanti not uh, qualitatively different from human beings, in the sense that they still have defilements, and they still have lifespans, and they are still limited to uh, affecting the physical realm. They can't actually... Uh, manipulate another person's mind, not directly. But at any rate, there there is some order to the uh, the angel realms. If for those of you who are interested and curious about these things, what's interesting about this sutta and what really makes it Buddhist, because obviously talking about angels isn't particularly Buddhist, um, is that. Saka is a Buddhist. The king of the gods of the 33 is, is a follower of the Buddha, and they're concerned about um, they're concerned about the activities of human beings, the goodness of human beings. 
it's a group, and it's not to say that all angels will be like this, but this group of angels particularly is concerned uh, as to whether human beings are honoring uh, religious people, honoring elders, uh, behaving properly towards their father and mother, whether they are keeping holy days in the sense of having religious observances, spiritual practice on, on, the, on you know, at least once a week. And doing good deeds. Are they giving charity? Are they keeping morality? Are they practicing meditation? But it, it's kind of funny why they're interested in this. And uh, somewhat self-serving or, or, or uh, pragmatic, I guess. Um, they're concerned with this because they say to them, if, if the four great kings report to them that human beings are doing all these things, then they get really happy because they say, oh, that means, that's great. That means there'll be more angels in the future. It means there'll be more of them. More people coming and we'll have a greater retinue. Uh, we'll become, you know, it's actually somewhat of a base desire to swell their ranks. Um, and they're, and if they find out that people are doing bad things and, and not doing good things, then they're, they're sad because there won't be as many angels in the future. I mean, for us, it simply means it, it's, a, it's a reminder that the only way to go to heaven really is to be a good person, is to have a pure mind. And all of that comes through doing good deeds, being good to other people, being respectful to other people, being kind having a pure mind, not having ulterior motives or a crooked, treacherous mind, not being obsessed with base desires or, or hatred or aversion or grudging, grudges or that kind of thing. If your mind can stay pure in this defiled world, then and only then can you free yourself from it from the coarseness, from the baseness, from the mundane to enter into something more pure, more peaceful, more sublime. And then, and then there's something funny that um, Saka, um, the king of the angels, reminds the angels, he says, the person who would be like me should basically do lots of good deeds. The person who'd be like me should uh, keep the holy, uh, keep the holy day, you know, he says. Keep the uposata, which means this day where people keep uh, the eight precepts. And the Buddha says, you know, when he said this, it wasn't well said. It wasn't, it wasn't a proper verse to say. Not because it's, it's not good to keep the, the religious precepts or to practice goodness and that kind of thing. But because Saka, you know, who want, who should, who, no one should should strive to be like Saka, because Saka is still not devoid of lust, hatred, and delusion. And he says, but I say the same thing. A person who would be like me should observe all of these things, because I am because, I know, not me. Sorry, it's not me. A bhikkhu who has who has become an arahant someone who has become enlightened, not just the Buddha, but anyone who has become enlightened should therefore say, the person who would be like me. And it is fitting.
So, I mean, this kind of puts angels in their place. And it's really how as Buddhists we look at the world. We don't, you know, we don't see angels. Most people will live their lives never having any evidence that these beings exist. But insofar as you might think that they do exist, they're still... Um, they're still subject to the same laws and, and regulations of, of the universe that goodness uh, goodness is what leads to heaven and, and evil is what leads to hell they don't these beings don't have the power to make people better people but they're happy to know that people do they rejoice as all good people should um, I mean, we'd rejoice when we see more people meditating. It means there'll be more meditators. It's in fact not a terribly bad thing to think because it makes our practice easier. It makes it easier to do good deeds when other people are keen on good deeds. When everyone's doing unwholesome wholesome deeds and obsessed with defilements, it becomes more difficult to do good things because... Uh, you get sucked, you get drained by the negativity of others. Anyway, so that's a little bit of Dhamma for today anyway. I was working, um, anyway, that's all about that. Do we have any questions? We do, Bhante. In practical... Oh, wait, one, sorry, one, we're, we're just talking about, I should mention it first. Um, just a reminder to people that uh, we have, we may have young people coming on this site and any sort of adult conversation about sexual intercourse, or you know other things i guess drugs alcohol um should be moderated or moderate tempered so just be mindful of where we are and the fact that we're not all uh, of age so not that anything inappropriate has been done or said but just uh, a reminder that uh, that to keep it Keep it PG, or uh, there's potential problems with talking about such things uh, to people who are potentially underage. Okay, that's all. Okay. In Practical Insight Meditation, Mahasi Sayadaw talks about reflecting on certain things, but to also notice reflecting, to keep it mm. to a minimum. But you seem to be saying it's not necessary to think or reflect at all during meditation, and it's only necessary to teach, etc. So are you disagreeing with him, or am I missing something? And how is it possible to garner insight without reflecting on your experience? I, I don't think I said that it's not... Like, reflection has a place in terms of stepping back and reflecting on on the how the quality of your practice 
Um, but the only benefit there is to adjust your practice. If your practice is going fine, I can see no, you know, there's no benefit to reflecting on things that you've learned. Um, you know, certainly reflecting is natural, that it's something you should be mindful of. But it's not the practice. And I mean, read what the Mahasi Sayada says about what we call jnana. Uh, jnana is one of the ten upakilesa. When you, uh, when your knowledge, uh, 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 the, the knowledges that you gain when you become obsessed with it, fixated on it, when you start thinking about it, that's actually a, to the detriment of your practice. So the question about how could insight arise if you don't reflect, um, I mean, that's not how in, what insight is. Insight is a direct realization of things. It's not reflection. When you see that things are arising and ceasing, that's insight. And the more you see that, the closer you'll get to letting go. Once you see it clearly, you'll just have kind of like an epiphany where you, you well, not, even, not even a thought, but it's just a, an observation that everything that arises ceases and there's nothing worth clinging to and then the mind lets go. There's no, there's no place in there for reflection. Uh, I think it's a misunderstanding of what insight is. Insight is not a thought. Insight is actually vipassana. Passana means seeing, vip means clearly or specially or whatever however you want to translate. Vip really means with wisdom, panya. Panya actually just means panya, nya, knowledge, pa, um, complete you know when you when you know that this is rising when you know that this is falling that's actually wisdom when you see it arising and ceasing that's wisdom that's all you need i don't think mahasi sayada suggests otherwise but um you'd have to you'd probably read the burmese or be sure that, that it was properly translated and then you have to understand that you know, he's generally, he generally makes allowances. You know, if he's actually advising people to stop and reflect, then I'd be quite surprised. But on the other hand, there is an advice for stepping back and reflecting insofar as it helps you see whether your practice is correct, whether you're actually doing things properly and reflect on whether you're, you're adequately, you know, whether you're missing something or... or whether something could be adjusted. That's called vimangsa. It's one of the four idipada, one of the four roads to success. Dear Bhante, what is the difference between a sense of apathy versus an impartial stance towards something? Thank you. I don't know. I mean, they're just words. You'd have to see what the actual state was someone who says i don't care i mean it's it, it sounds like it actually exists but it's um it's just words and it's just a view and it's a lot of ego in the sense of i um you know i am above that kind of thing but they're just words i mean when an experience occurs, are you actually um, un, un, unreactive towards it? 
because such people actually, when they do, when they are presented with something that does affect them, uh, they react. I mean, that's really the point is not everyone is reactive towards towards everything. For some people, some things are not going to create a reaction. But that's, you know, it's not a sign that they are um, apathetic. It's just a sign that they, that that thing is, doesn't create, it doesn't have any kind of history with that person. So, you know, for some people, loud noise is, is obnoxious here in the West. If, your neighbors are having a party you get quite upset in asia if your neighbors are having a party people don't even seem to hear it it's quite interesting to see some of the differences from culture to culture the sort of things that bothers bother people from different cultures a general sense of apathy i mean there can be a delusion Delusion is uh, is generally associated with with equanimity, and I guess that's really the technical answer. Is that the question is whether it's associated with delusion? But the delusion would be um, kind of this uh, distracted thought. If a person is engaged in mental fomentation, if they're thinking about things and pondering and wondering and confused and that kind of thing. That's delusion, and there's there's equanimity with it. And uh, then there's the the, the other the, the wholesome kind is with equanimity. One does something good, or one cultivates wholesomeness in the mind through meditation. But the equanimity, you know, the I guess the point is the equanimity is the same, but it's nothing to do with equanimity, it's the delusion. Whether in the mind there's ego, or there's confusion, or there's mental distraction. Whether the mind is clear, or whether the mind is, is clouded. Thank you, Bhante. Is there any point being grateful? Karma is going to manifest anyways, good or bad. How should we include gratitude in our practice? Absolutely. I mean, that's a that's not a good outlook. When you think, okay, I shouldn't be grateful because that person's going to get what's coming to them anyway. Who cares? Who cares whether they get what's coming to them or not? That's not the point. Gratitude is a wonderful state of mind. Gratitude is, we don't worry about other people. We're not grateful so that it helps the other person. We're grateful so that we don't become mean and terrible people who have no sense of appreciation for the good deeds of others. Gratitude is something that should come naturally. And if you find yourself ungrateful or uh, un, unmindful of the good deeds of others, you should note that and, and try to understand why. Is it because I'm selfish or self-absorbed? It's generally based due to either one of the two, uh, a strong sense of greed and and or a strong sense of a strong delusion, being self-absorbed and and or you know it can also come from anger. I suppose if you're totally obsessed with your own suffering, so that when people help you, you, you just 
fix and focus on on your own problems and how it how your own problems are solved or not solved rather than thinking about the person who helped you gratitude is uh, most apparent in those who have the least attachment those who are, are least concerned about their own well-being right and the people who are most able to appreciate the, the good things in others are those who have good things in themselves are those who who aren't concerned about their own good things in the sense that um, they don't have feelings of guilt or worry the people who have lots of unpleasant things inside tend to be too self-absorbed worried about their own well-being concerned and greedy or angry and frustrated and upset and deluded and conceited you can see how all of those things get in the way of, of, of gratitude so when all of those gone it's very easy to appreciate the good things in others you're able to mindful be mindful of the truth and that's that this person helped you I wouldn't wouldn't try to cultivate it too much I'd just be more aware as to whether you have it or not and if you don't have it, it there's a sign it's a sign that you got something blocking it can you change the live broadcast to a different time is there someone else who would want that That's a good question i can change it to another time this time happens to be fairly convenient for me won't be convenient on Mondays soon, but apart from that, I can't think of a better time for me. I could do it early afternoon, but that would probably be a bad choice for most of our viewers, since most of our viewers are in North America, which I know doesn't really help those of you who are in Europe. But look at the if you look at the meditation list, the majority are USA, a few Canada. And, um, and we got a bunch of Mexico as well. Which I mean, the question is, what is the cause? What is the effect? Whether it's, you know, because we're broadcasting in the evening, or not? Right. That could just be because of the time. Obviously, Europeans aren't going to be on much anymore, except for Ruslan, Ruslan. Yeah, I, I just read down a little bit. It was because the person often um, had some follow-up questions to ask during the live broadcast, but um, decided that he, he would be patient and use it as a practice. Mm. Or you could get really fancy, Bhante, and have Tuesday and Thursdays early and Monday, Wednesday, Friday at the normal time. And I can't even keep track of my schedule as it is. I don't know which day it is in most days. Keeping it simple is good, too. Bhante, during my last meditation session, it suddenly felt like my legs were not covered by my skin. The legs still felt like mine, but not the skin. It was mm. sickening to my stomach. Am I still practicing right? Well, that's not practice, you see. That's, that's experience. The practice is how you relate to that experience. Be very clear that these are two distinct things. What you experience and what arises based on your practice is not the practice, whether it be knowledge or whether it be strange experiences like this or even whether it be unpleasant experiences, defilements. If anger arises, that's not the practice. It's not like, oh, I'm very angry. I must be doing something wrong. No, 
anger is an experience. It's a, I mean, it's a reaction. It is a bad thing, but don't worry about that. That's not your concern. It happened. Your concern is what you're going to do about it. So when you have this experience, what are you, how are you going to react to it? The fact that you're disgusted is potentially problematic because there's aversion, disliking. So that's not the proper reaction. But now that that's happened, you should say disliking, disliking, or disgusted. Disliking is probably better. If you if you're just aware of it, then you would say knowing, knowing, or aware, or something. If it's a feeling, you might say feeling, feeling. Then that's the practice. Then you'll see, you know, it comes and it goes. I think the problem is its practice is terribly um, unremarkable. The practice itself is is too simple. It's unremarkable. That's it. You just say, you know, thinking, thinking, seeing, seeing, feeling, feeling, angry, angry. But it's made up for the fact that when you do that, there's fireworks. You know, the things that you're observing are incredibly interesting. There's there's a real transformation that goes on. So be clear that the practice is incredibly simple. There's not much to it, but the experiences that you're going to have are diverse and varied. Terribly exciting, if you let them be, which of course you shouldn't. You should be mindful. Bhante, during eating meditation, is it best practice to always keep the eyes open, or can the eyes be closed while chewing and swallowing? They certainly can be closed while chewing and swallowing. There's no rule, hard or fast, but um, you know, if you're really keen on it, closing your eyes is a good thing. Let's you focus on, focus more on the, the the mouth and the throat, taste and so on. Will the current Android app still be working when the new site goes live? No. No, we probably could make it work if someone if someone wanted to make a better Android app, that'd be great. But. On the other hand, it might be nice just to use the website as it is because then we only have to work on one thing. But the new site looks a lot like the Android app, if you've seen it. So yeah, give up the Android app once the, once the new site goes live. Now there's an iOS app, apparently. But uh, I think that might work. And you still can sign in to the regular site on a phone. So if it's just a matter of wanting to be portable, you can you can still log your time in just through a regular browser on the phone. Mm -hmm. I've done that. Well, yeah, the new the new site will look a lot like the Android app anyway. It won't be as oh, okay. hard to do. Like this one, you have to find the little button. But on the new one, it'll be much more mobile friendly. My sitting meditation is usually stressful and it seems to be getting worse. Mm. It feels like I'm forcing myself to stay seated. Do I just continue to work through it? Yeah, I mean, this is a case where you might want to use Vimangsa, step back and reflect on what you might be doing wrong, what you might be missing. Not doing wrong exactly, but the aversion is what you should be meditating on. You know, if you feel stressed, then focus on the stress. 
it's not easy and this is where the fireworks happen this is where this simple technique does a number on you it really messes with you it challenges you it called it's called you know it sounds like probably well not probably you know, from the sounds of it you're you're doing fine because you're cultivating patience if it feels like you're forcing then it's not that you're forcing it's that you're missing something that you're not actually being mindful of the aversion try and be as mindful of the aversion as you can as quick catch what's really happening because there's no such thing as meditation there's no you don't have sitting meditation it doesn't exist what happens when you sit down and close your eyes and then you watch the stomach now the tendency probably is to try and force the stomach to rise and fall, which is an interesting thing. It's an interesting fact that, that your mind, is, you know, if this is the case, that your mind is doing that. You know? The things that your mind, that our mind does, um, is what we're interested in. We're interested to learn how the mind works, to learn about the good things and the bad things in the mind what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. It sounds like probably like all of us, you're doing something wrong. So just keep watching and you'll you'll slowly see, oh, I'm doing this all wrong. Boy, I should just stop that. Can I do mindful meditation without mantras? You can, but you'd have to find a different teacher and a different tradition. Because some people say that you don't, you shouldn't use mantras. In our tradition, we say you should, and it's actually important to use mantras. So not in our tradition. Sorry. I mean, why would you want to? I guess is the question. Of course, I understand why people want to, but it just leaves you shaking your head because they're so beneficial. That's the pow most powerful thing we have is this tool reminding ourselves they're the, the best meditation technique I can think of people who don't use them are missing out and don't know what they're missing at all you're all caught up on questions Bhante alright then that's all for tonight thanks Robin for your help thanks everyone for coming out and for meditating and for your questions Thank you, Bante. Good night.